Kendall, with me as always, is Jared. Hello, everybody, and I have a, uh, a special cat visitor here, so you may hear her purring a little bit, but she'll be off my lap soon enough. There was an episode a couple months ago where both of us had cats running around making noise in the background. It was, it was pretty bad, but that's okay. Yeah, that's why they pay us the big bucks. My uh, my my kitten is uh, is um messing with the is busy messing with the christmas tree and making my wife crazy so yeah unfortunately i haven't had too much trouble with that yet still early yeah um we even yeah she even put up the christmas tree that was like we have like a like an older smaller one and put and only put up like the non-precious ornaments because we knew it was going to be a problem but still like there's limits um so, uh, so what have you been reading this month, Jared? All right. So I am going to start off on, um, with some independent books, get some of those out of the way. And um, this week I actually picked up a book called Die, D-I-E, by uh, Karen Gillan. And um, this was inspired by his love for our uh, role-playing games. Uh, and uh, without giving away too much, um, this group of teenagers, uh, like five kids, um, have a, like one of them has a birthday party, and it turns out one of the other kids created their own adult version of pretty much Dungeons and Dragons. And they gave each one of them a die. The next thing you know, flash, they're gone. And then uh, it's like two or three years later, they all show up, um, except for one, and like one of them's missing an arm. And it kind of turns out that. They, um, when they flashed out of existence or whatever, they went into the actual RPG game themselves. So it's like they transformed into their own D&D characters. So that was kind of the setup. And uh, there's a little twist at the end that I won't spoil, but um, it was actually pretty interesting. Um, kind of neat concept of, you know, it's almost like a Jumanji. Yeah, I was. I heard. I heard another review of this, and the, and they compared it to. To Jumanji or to the old Dungeons and Dragons cartoon, um, yeah. So it's not like it's it's not like it's a completely never ever been done before concept. Oh no! But it's a good. It's sort of a good template where there's some potential for storytelling, and then also it's like, uh, it's. I would imagine that they're playing around with the sort of the PTSD of the of what would happen if you actually were like a kid that had some kind of crazy adventure like that. Yeah. And that's something too with them. They like flash forward 20 years later. So they show how each one of the, uh, the kids have adapted or dealt with that sort of trauma in their own way. Um, so yeah, so far I'm so good. Um, next we'll move on to prodigy from Mark Millar. This is another first issue. And, uh, 
it's kind of this prodigy. Story. This is the this is the Marvel book about the character that was drunk uh, the night that uh, that the Superhuman Registration Act went into effect. Right. I'm not familiar with that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm no, pretty sure I that's think, he's like yeah. I'm yeah he's, there's book. a Marvel character called Prodigy. Okay. Yeah, I was gonna say. Well, I don't think he uh, shows up in the normal universe. <laughs> but it's about this oh kid. That's really oh my gosh! Smart. And Mark Miller wrote Civil War. Hmm. Yeah, it's gonna be tied in. He's just really lazy. Huh. Yeah. See now. Yeah, I'm pretty. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was. Pro- I'm pretty sure that was Prodigy. And nobody cares. Nobody will look it up. <laughs> nobody cares. But um, it was a really good first issue. Uh, this guy's like ultra smart, and it kind of shows him growing up, and you know, kind of shows how smart he really is. And he's at the point now where um, he's so bored, he's just taking random cases, he's solving problems. He's like a detective in a sense, but he's super smart that he just you know fixes world issues. And um, there's something that popped up in Australia where these really strange. Um, Spaceships, they start popping up out of nowhere with uh, animal cages inside and like burnt up rats and rabbits. And they deduce that it's uh, they're being invaded by an alternate um, or parallel universe or whatever. And they're testing to try to potentially invade Earth. But obviously, they're sending test animals and stuff like that over. And then eventually, a set of humans comes over and they're burnt to a crisp. So He's like, I'll take the case or whatever like that. So he has to kind of solve this big problem. But it really kind of shows him hyperbole, like, how smart he is about him. Like, I mean, I won't go into it. It's actually, it's a pretty good read. We'll see how many issues he actually um, decides to write for this. But um, this is another one of his Netflix books. But um, that is one that uh, I'll definitely pick up again. And... Um, this feels kind of dumb to call it independent, but The Walking Dead. Did you read um, <laughs> the one that came out this week? I, I actually did not read the one that came out this week. Uh, oh, I, it's it's the one book that I didn't that I didn't read, but uh, it's been good. This is a really good issue. That's all I'm going to say. I don't want to spoil okay. it for you. It's really good. So let's go. Let's. Yeah. What have you been reading? So uh, so first of all, Mister Miracle ended. Yeah, very good. What did you think of the end? Um, so I went back and read all the issues through, and it definitely helped make sense of what was going on. Um, I liked the ending. I had to. Go, I went back and read through some comments and and how people kind of explained it. Because at the very end, I was like, my initial thought was like, oh, this is kind of underwhelming. But then it's like, okay, I get it. He's really probably kind of stuck in his own mind or his own personal hell or you know, created some alternate reality in his mind and all this is not real. So it's pretty trippy. I'm really glad that they left it ambiguous. Um, I mean, you could, yeah, like there's, there's explanations that you could interpret it or whatever, but I'm very glad that they didn't straight up explain every, you know, answer every question because the answer was never going to be as interesting as the, um, as the, you know, as the, yeah, as the question, as the, uh, the, uh, you know, thinking about it, it's like yeah, X-Files, oh, totally. you know, it's like X-Files, yeah. like 
X-Files to me was the best when they're asking more questions and creating this like something is going on but then when they try to when they try to explain what's going on those were the bad episodes you know so um i i really liked that ambi- ambiguity and i was kind of i was kind of uh like i think if the if 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 it had been like 9 issues instead of 12 issues um or maybe if i had just been sitting down and reading it in trade i would have really enjoyed it throughout i just um it it felt like it went a little long yeah, definitely for a little while there. Well, I think the big thing for me, it was really nice to to remember that he tried to commit suicide or he did commit suicide in the very beginning. Uh-huh. And I think that, you know, looking back after not reading it, I'm like, wow, I pretty much kind of forgot all about that. I think that was really supposed to set how everything you know kind of gets up. And I mean, it's definitely a sad story, but it's kind of out there too. And it's kind of interesting to see, you know, how he probably – it creates a perfect uh, imposter mind or, you know, just what's going on. So yeah, definitely a very good book. Um, I would, if you haven't, I would recommend reading through maybe later on down the road, reading everything through again. Yeah. I was, I was kind of disappointed cause I was going to buy the trade for my sister-in-law for Christmas, but uh, it's not coming out in trade until like February. So, Ooh. Well, the missed opportunity. Um, yeah, but, you know, whatever. It'll be yeah. around for next Christmas. And uh, the Vision is still uh, out in trade, I guess. Although, man, Marvel trades are expensive. Yeah. Um, and then uh, and then Green Lantern. Uh, the uh, I, I read it and I liked it, but I was going to actually reread it today. And then I fell asleep for three hours. That's also why I didn't read Walking Dead. I am the most unprepared ever for this show right now. Uh, I'm going to blame work, but it wasn't, it probably was, it's a combination of things. Um, But uh, Green Lantern, I'm still, I'm still enjoying. Uh, It felt very much, this issue felt a lot more Grant Morrison-y weirdness um, than the first issue. And then, um, and then, and then it, and then it ends with, uh, the earth having disappeared and I watched it. I was like, does this take place during Superman? Maybe. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was, uh, I, I'm, I'm like, I'm like really excited for this. Uh, I wish, I wish that the, this is one of those situations where I kind of wish that they were double shipping it because it feels like a long time in between issues. I think this is one that I'm just going to have to pick up and trade. I tried to kind of, well, I barely tried to find the first one. My local store didn't have it. Yeah. Because I don't understand why. They're like, yeah, we only bought like eight issues. And we sold out really quick. I'm like, well, duh. <laughs> well, you never, that's, I mean, that's why you should, that's why you should always uh, do the pull list and order ahead and stuff. Because you never we'll know. See. One of my complaints, and this is something like I would love to not have to look through previews, but have like some sort of notification when a new book's coming out or when I can put it on my poll. Because there'd probably be a lot more stuff I'd sign up for if I had like someone tell me. Right, right. I mean, help, help me buy more books from you. I mean, I I knew the Grant Morrison Green Lantern was coming up. Well, I, I did too, and I should have. 
<laughs> oh crap! Did you just drop the call? <laughs> did it come back? Yeah. Okay. Anyway. Still recording. Yes. Yeah, the recording is fine. Uh, I am just sorry. For about whatever that. reason, the call dropped. Yeah, I mean. No, the, the, my cat stepped on my keyboard. It hit either like the space <laughs> bar or something like that, and it popped right off. And. Okay. Okay. Well, that's that's better than uh, that's better <laughs> than it being my laptop dying. Yeah, it just technically wasn't a, a technical difficulty. It was blame it on my animals. <laughs> but. Uh, yeah, I get it. I know that one was upcoming, but there's going to be, I mean, some new books from time to time that I'm like, oh, I didn't realize that that's going to be out. I like to pick that up and then only get like six or eight of them and everyone else mm -hmm. wants to jump on that train. Yeah, I mean, I will say, so So to some extent, I think that, I mean, that's why it's good to read, you know, it's good to read the, uh, you know, pay attention to the ads in your comics. Um, especially for Marvel and DC, but I do feel like, I do feel like for whatever reason, sometimes, sometimes DC doesn't market quite as well as Marvel does when it comes to their new stuff. Um, but it's just, yeah. And yeah, it's not, it's not a perfect system since, since they have to print to order. Um, it makes yeah. Well, speaking of ads, did you see the ad for friendly neighborhood Spider-Man number one, Tom Taylor right now? I I think I did, but I don't. Who's Tom Taylor? Um, I think he's. What was he? I think he was writing Wolverine with um, Laura recently. Okay. That's Wolverine. I'm trying to think of some other stuff. I don't know, but <laughs> that's why I think that's one thing I recognize his name from. But he's been. I think he's been doing some different Marvel things. Okay. Yeah, I yeah, it's not a name. It's not a it's not a name that that jumps out at me. Um, I'm now that you said it, like out loud, it sounds familiar. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Uh, secondary Spider-Man books, I kind of who cares? I yeah, they're. I mean, when they made Spider-Man three times a month for a brand new day, they were like. So in the past, the second the second and third Spider-Man <laughs> books are always the first ones that people drop. So we're gonna not have them anymore, and then and then do more. But now they've got Spectacular and Friendly Neighborhood. Yeah, I mean, I guess they can do it and then cancel the series if they don't buy it. It doesn't hurt. It doesn't yeah, hurt to have somebody else's voice. Because uh, it's a it's a it's a Peter Parker series, right? It's not a Miles series, right? Yeah, I believe so. Okay. Yeah, I mean, you know, it is, I probably, I mean, I, I didn't realize there how many people asking for another one. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think Nick Spencer, I, the only thing I can think is I wonder if people don't are still mad at Nick Spencer. And so they think some people aren't buying it. Yeah, I wonder what the sales numbers are on Amazing. I mean, I'm getting it. It's been good. I, oh, I don't remember. I, I actually did look at monthly sales numbers a few weeks ago, and they're good. Like, I guess the rest of this year has been sales were down on the previous year, but like October or something, one of the, whatever months just, whatever month's sales numbers just came out, I want to say October 
uh, the industry sales are up for the year um, in that month, you know, so. Yeah. Because, uh, yeah, Joe, I remember Joe Casada posted the posted the sales numbers and was like, yeah, and they said the comics were dying for the last 20 years or whatever. And, uh, and I looked at the numbers and I feel like maybe I don't know enough about the industry to know that it was a particularly <laughs> good month. It sounded to me like it had been a rough year and this was like the one month that it wasn't bad, but yeah, whatever. That's, that's, uh, you know, Joe Casada knows more about comics than me. Well, they've had a plenty of really good Marvel movies or decent Marvel movies to push comics behind. So, yeah, I, I think I, there ha I do think that they have gotten less good at, uh, capitalizing on the movies with, uh, with Marvel characters in the last couple of years. Um, so I don't know, but also I think that, I think that the movies are at a point now where, there are we have generated they've generated like a new generation of comics readers because there are there are people who are as excited about Marvel Cinematic Universe movies as I was about the Star Wars prequels when I was a teenager. I I talked to a guy at work. Um, I don't even know his name, <laughs> but mm -hmm. uh, we run into each other. He, you know, I work in a call center and I've seen him like in between calls, reading comic books from time to time. And, uh, I've talked to him about, I've, you know, I've talked to him about the comics he was reading. And then it turns out he's mostly a Marvel cinematic universe guy. And like, he was like, Oh man, I watched that trailer like 20 times today. You know that, you know, I saw black Panther 18 times, <laughs> you, you know, like, so there are those kinds of fans that have come out of the Marvel cinematic universe. And I think a lot of them, uh, it has piqued their curiosity when it comes to uh, to comics as as a whole. Oh yeah, no, I totally agree. I have um, someone in my office. He asked if I watched the Avengers trailer, and he he likes it because his I think his son maybe six, and he can start watching the Marvel movies. He took him to the Avengers movie, and they uh, some over like gave him some all ages books because like I'm so tired of reading the same stuff all the time. Right, right. Um, so, yeah, he started his son, or you know, they started reading comics and started talking about asking about the different characters because they had, uh, there were some Fantastic Four, and then I don't think his son obviously was old enough for the Fantastic Four movies, but his dad was like, I wasn't going to show him those anyway. So, so his dad is, so his dad says, you see, son, the fan. Marvel Comics sold off the rights to Fantastic Four in the late '90s when they were going <laughs> bankrupt. <laughs> And yeah. that was yeah. <laughs> it's an early history lesson. But it was one of those where I mean, he's like, I just always watched the movies. I never bought comics, or like, you know, maybe he did when he was eight, right, right, or something like that. So, yeah, it's kind of interesting how those. Uh, and I think he's even signed up. I think at his local shop for some you know comic books for his kids. Right, so. right. Yeah, it's just a shame that uh, there haven't been more. Uh, sort of like theaters and stuff. Although, although the uh, although the uh, Pack Rat, you know, gave they they got a free they got free t tickets to Venom from so from Sony, and they also got free tickets to the uh, 
the Spider-Verse movie. So um, there's there might be some collaboration between the the movies and the and the comic shops, but um, probably not enough. There should be. Yeah, but like, I mean, I mean the. You know, I, I know you can't, I know lightning doesn't always strike twice, but like Invincible Iron Man back, you know, back 10 years, more than 10 years ago, Invincible Iron Man number one by Matt Fraction came out the week of the Iron Man movie and just felt like it was an extension of the, like, like it was a sequel to the movie. Um, and, uh. And it was like super new reader friendly. A lot of people did pick up comics because of that movie. And while the cinematic universe has grown and grown and grown uh, over the years, I don't feel like they've been as successful uh, with, I don't feel like they've been as successful with, with that type of, of marketing as they were back then. I mean, I, I feel like what they've, what they've decided to do rather than, having issue one come out the day of the, the day of the release, they want to have like a trade that or, or, or a couple volumes of the trade, like, you know, like Dr. Strange. I mean, maybe they figure that there's going to be interest in a character in the lead up to the movie. Um, like Dr. Strange had not had a, his own book and then they announced his movie, and, yeah, totally. you know, a year leading up to it, they were putting out a book, but it's not quite the same as like, you know, launching the, it's almost a movie tie in, but it's not a movie tie in, you know? Yeah. Well, um, well, Marvel did that with Black Panther because once he got really popular, they busted out like, um, felt like three total books and one was Shuri. And I don't think uh-huh. she was really, you know, that prominent outside of uh, the movie. Well, initially. She was, wasn't she the, didn't see, I don't know my Black Panther very well, but wasn't she Black Panther for a while? Um, I think so in the past. That's the thing too. I don't know. That was like, yeah, that was like, I mean, and and this was like six or seven years ago that she was, so she was a, I mean, I feel like she was a, a prominent character through the black Panther line, but the thing is like, yeah. And, and guardians. And I think guardians had like a bunch of like one shots and extra books and stuff that came out at the same time as one as either their first or their second movie. And it's like, that is, that's, I feel like that's more catering towards existing readers who are just getting extra hyped for, uh, whatever for the movie. And then they're going to read like multiple books, multiple titles with the characters, as opposed to just putting a lot of energy behind like a main, like this is a book that is for people who saw the movie. And then the next day wanted a comic book with that character. And I mean, I don't, I don't know, but I'll, but also I don't know, maybe that didn't work, you know, maybe it didn't work as well after Iron Man, you know, maybe the, the Scott Lang Ant-Man book didn't, didn't sell that well or something. I don't, I don't know. Who knows? But comic books. Yeah. <clears throat> so, you know what I read most of, and again, because I did not prepare at all for this recording. I didn't finish what I started, but that's okay because it's the poll list, and that's how we are. That's um, how we do it. But uh, I realized that uh, Secret Invasion ended on December third, two thousand eight. So we've 
So Secret Invasion has been over for 10 years. And so I wow. revisited so I revisited it. I decided to <laughs> to um I I think I I think I got 6 out of 8 issues or something like that in. Like I I read I read most of it. So I think I read party, en- yeah. enough of it to and I remember it. I mean, I've read it before. So um So uh yeah, it it's interesting cuz I've heard this said about uh Civil War which I th- and I do think it was very true of Civil War. I think Secret Invasion was was trying to recreate Civil War, which was probably trying to recreate stuff before that. You know, it's it's a formula. It's the same formula. Uh, but the Secret Invasion book on its own, it kind it's kind of all over the place. Um, first of all, it it uh. It sits. It sits very, very firmly in two thousand eight Marvel continuity. Good, bad, or indifferent. Like it. So, so. Well, I guess it's the bad part. Like it's good because that's an interesting time. You know, the Superhuman Registration Act. Civil War is over. The the Superhuman Registration Act is still in effect. You have two Avengers teams that that are at odds with each other. Um. So that combined with this idea that nobody can nobody can trust each other it's an it's an interesting time and there's some interesting character stuff um in the book uh but the downside to that is you could not like i was thinking about you know i'm thinking i buy trade paperbacks for my sister-in-law for for christmas and my father-in-law sometimes too i was thinking about getting secret invasion and buying it for you know it's this is a a neat you know, this is a neat, very specific incident in Marvel history. You know, it's a thing. You, you know, she knows some continuity stuff, but it's like, this is just so entrenched in continuity that you really have to, like, it was, it was not designed to be, you know, it's not Watchmen. Yeah. You know what I mean? It, or, like it's, it's not. It's single serving. Yeah. Or even, I feel like, I feel like Civil War, um, First of all, Civil War as an event, like if you read a bunch of tie-ins, uh, I think that it is really interesting, and I think a lot of people uh, have gotten into comics with it. I got into comics with it, and a lot of people have revisited it over the years. And it's and it's interesting because it, it introduces you to an idea, and I did not read... I did not revisit uh, Secret Invasion tie-in issues because I didn't even finish the main book. But I don't know this. It just like was. It's it's still the art's good and and it's an interesting story. If I think it holds up all right, if you read it and you wanted to revisit it, or if you knew the continuity of ten years ago, I think it holds up as a solid story and it's an it's an interesting thing. It's an interesting sort of relic, uh, but it just, it just is, it's hard to, it, it's very much, it's very much like it does. It, it kind of falls into the trap of, you know, Nick Fury and his, and his Howling Commandos show up for like three pages. And if you're interested in them, then you got to go read the secret warriors book. You know, there's a little, yeah. a little, a little hint of the Thunderbolts here and there, but if you want to know what was going on with that, you got to read the Thunderbolts book, you know, uh, 
the they go to the savage land and the the story's also just kind of weird they go because they go to the savage land and the uh and the there's a ship of some <laughs> real avengers but mostly scrolls or something like i think i think uh uh, what's her name? Bobby something. Hawkeye's girlfriend or ho- former wife or whatever. Um, yeah, Mockingbird. About... Mockingbird. Yeah. Uh, I think she's like the only human that's on that ship. And then yeah, and then there's yeah, there's a thing with the Captain Marvel with the 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 male Captain Marvel who showed up in Civil War, and it's like you got to read his go read his story if you want to know what happened like. Is very like. I think if you read if you read the whole event in order, or if you read at least some of the tie-ins, but you read it, that's what makes it so hard to revisit these events. Like, you can't read the main book and then read the Frontline book and then read the Spider-Man book and then read the Avengers book. Like, you have to kind of read the first issue and then the first issue of that and the first issue of that and the first issue of that and and then the second issue and the second issue of that like you kind of have to read them in their reading order which is a lot harder to do in the world of trade paperbacks yeah and even in uh, marvel limited does like a mediocre job about that too and keeping track of all the tie-ins and the order and stuff right right if it's an event if it's an event that uh that that Marvel Unlimited has decided to say, you know, the complete event. I actually wonder, do they have, does Marvel Unlimited have the complete event? Um, Loading it up right now. Let's see. Browse. Comic events. Secret invasion. They do. Um, 110 comics. Sure. You want to read all 110 issues? Uh, you know you can do that. Uh, the one time that I've actually done, like, read the complete event, I read a. Uh, it was like the. It was it was whatever crossover involved Red Hulk. Um, I think it was called like War, World War Hulks, or something. Okay, yeah. Um, but it was, it kind of spun out of the Red Hulk book. Um, and that was just a crossover between like two, maybe three books. And for Marvel with, so with Marvel Unlimited, I was able to follow like that. Uh, it's, it's hard. Yeah. I mean, if you have an event that's a hundred and it's a hundred comics long, it's hard to read that whole event. Like no matter what. And I mean, you can, there's always, you can you can just when it's coming out you can read just the stuff that you care about, and that's and that's fine. I mean I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think, I think it's really fun. It's really fun. It was really fun with Secret Empire, uh, sort of getting you know the couple of tie-ins here. Also Secret Empire was nice because it didn't have a million tie-ins. There were like one shots and and. Uh, other stuff like just like stuff that you could kind of read as much or as little as you wanted. Um, but 
but it was it's it's fun when those events come out and you get like a little you know a little puzzle piece here a little puzzle piece there but it it just makes it a lot harder to revisit because it's like uh like you you said a while back that you tried to read you got a, a collection of like all of the new 52 number ones oh yeah yeah well with those event books if you try to read every single book that's kind of how the first issue is because they have to like with world war hulk they literally in every single issue show hulk showing up and giving his broadcast of like i'm gonna kill all these people and it's like it just gets really repetitive if you try to read them i don't know it's it's just i know i've been rambling about uh secret invasion for a little while but uh yeah, it's just it's it's uh, but it's still it's an interesting. I don't know. I it was an interesting event. Do you remember reading Secret Invasion? Yeah. Well, I think <clears throat> we're gonna see a little bit of that with Captain Marvel. Right. Yeah. I I kind of wonder. Yeah, I kind of wonder how if it's gonna be more Secret Invasion or if it's gonna be more Kree Scroll War. Yeah, which I read the Kree Squall War more than ten years ago, and don't ask me anything about it. I don't remember. I just remember it was a like a seventies or eighties comic, and I was not used to reading old comics, and it was hard to get through. Yeah, it's definitely a thing about those. So speaking of old comics, you were supposed <laughs> you were supposed to be on uh, on uh, the uh, the Silver Bolt Book Club, but uh, but scheduling didn't allow you did you end up where you end up uh did you end up being able to read the uh the transformers classic i made through most of it it was really tough getting started especially when they started going through like oh you're this bot and this is your your powers and everything like that it felt like it was just a whole book of just listing and cataloging every good guy and bad guy and their powers and stuff like that um but I enjoyed it better than the the other one that we read. Oh, yeah. Well, it's probably because it's probably because they listed off which characters were which, so you and can actually was follow it. it. Yeah, it's way more identifiable, I think, too. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, what is this shit you guys even, have? Even if me? even if you don't go back and finish the whole thing, read the last issue. Just the last issue. Okay. It's completely self-contained. It's about. Megatron having a concussion and a guy picking him up and using him to become a crime Lord. Okay. Yeah. And it's like, it's like a twilight zone episode. We, we talked about it a lot on the podcast, but it's, it's excellent. Yes, that's right. Everyone transformers classic issue 13. If for some reason you are listening to this and haven't listened to the silver bolt book club, uh, it's just a couple episodes earlier on the feed. It's, uh, it was fun with Jordan and I, uh, and also like that was an interesting thing I think because of its like sort of historical significance. Since it was like the first Transformers oh, yeah. comic. No, yeah, it was definitely uh, it was interesting and way more wordier than I thought it was going to be. But right, still well, it's I mean it was an '80s comic. Yeah, exactly. Um, let's see here. Um, Batman's been really good. I've been enjoying the little kind of team up with the penguin and what's going on with that. Yeah. It seems like a really solid Batman book. And I guess Bane wasn't behind everything or yeah, that's very true. It was, 
I yeah, I don't know about I don't know about Batman's dad still being alive. That seems Yeah, so no so we'll see how that plays. But um Yeah. Well I mean even with like all the Shakespeare and all the other classic what was like the issue before I think it was Mostly like what some nursery rhyme or some poem. Oh, or that was the that was the KG Beast issue. Well, what didn't they have something with Alfred and um, Penguin discussing some sort of poetry or some sort of story? That was, that was this most well. That was this, this most recent issue. Okay. I don't think the, there was one in part two, but there might have been. I I don't know. I don't know. Well, no. Well, either way, I, I still enjoyed it. It's pretty good. Um, I like. Did you re- oh, sorry. Go ahead. And I also I like. Um, I like Batman being just still just a little bit over the edge. Yeah, same. Here. That's what I liked about it too. It's definitely a little crazy. And sort of burned his burned his bridge with with Gordon. Yes, yeah, interesting. I'm like, well, how's he going to make up to Gordon in the end? You know, whose life is he going to have to save or something like that? So, it's well, interesting. I mean, it'll just. I I think I don't think it'll be like one thing. I think this will probably be a longer. Like he'll he'll kind of, I mean I hope that it's it's more of a subtle thing like, where. You know he got rid of the bat signal. I mean really the bat signal is kind of. Kind of, an antiquated idea. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> the Especially idea. we can listen to like all the police scanners. I mean it's probably. Yeah. Like- yeah, I mean, how cute! Yeah. yeah, they'll they'll probably. I mean, they probably will slowly remedy their relationship, and then, I mean, they may bring back the bat signal just because it's so iconic. But they may also try something different for a while. We've got a bat cell phone now. Yeah, it's one of those old Nokia's. Speaking of, actually, speaking of bat cell phones uh i got a playstation 4 and played through uh the spider-man playstation 4 game how'd you like it uh it was it was really good um the the story um the story was like 99 percent really good and then it ended and it made me mad but uh other than the very ending which i won't spoil just in case uh, anyone listening, this is something that it's a pretty bit like it's not a twist, but it's just like you know, there's no reason to spoil the ending. Yeah. Um. But uh, yeah, I mean, you know, it's the Sinister Six. This version of the Sinister Six was Doctor Octopus, Mister Negative, uh, Rhino, Electro, Vulture, and Shocker. No, oh, Scorpion, Scorpion. Shocker is in it, but he's just a like a random guy that you fight at the beginning. Um, Scorpion is the other one, but uh, really, uh, it was it was it was cool. It looks really nice. Uh, swinging around, swinging around the city is really uh, is really fun. Uh, the mecha- they got they really figured out their mechanics. I felt like this game was coming out for like ever. Like I think it was like announced with the PS4's release. Yeah. Um but it it was it was good and it's very uh very 2008 Spider-Man. Um you know, you're you're constantly talking to Yuri Watanabe. Do you remember her? Yeah. Yeah, the police officer from the Brand New Day run. Um 
the my yeah my only other complaints are there there are si- there are missions that you have to go through with Mary Jane and with Miles Morales that are not good. Uh, but eh, I mean, other than that, because they're just like stealth missions that you're just kind of wandering around and you have to like get good at wandering around and it's boring and like kills the momentum of the whole of the whole, like, cause it's not like, it doesn't, it's not like a game where you're playing as these three characters you're playing as Spider-Man, but then like they randomly shoehorn in extra missions for like, yeah, so that you can see what happened to get to this plot point or whatever. Um, and uh, Doctor Octopus starts out as as a good guy. Mister Negative starts out as a good guy. They, I was glad they they didn't. They were playing it like the Mister Negative reveal was going to be uh was going to be like a big twist and i heard that there were big that there was a big twist i don't know where the big twist was but um i guess there were a couple of twists and turns in the in the story but like it was it was relatively early that that we learned that it was that mr negative was uh uh was lee the feast guy whatever his name is martin lee that's his name uh, but yeah, but yeah, really, really solid. Uh, only other complaint is I'm on the boat. I'm on the, uh, I'm on board with the people that say that Spider-Man should not be a watered down Iron Man. And, uh, there's <laughs> some stuff in this that he has a lot of gadgets Yeah, and he has suits that have like extra powers and stuff. And, and there were a couple of, a couple of those things are very, very Iron Man. Yeah. Well, you gotta, gotta keep people interested in the game, right? Yeah. I, yeah. I, I, I think that it's, it's more, I guess it's more the, there are, there are some plot points that make the suits more Iron Man-y. Yeah. Uh, I, I just, I, I guess I like, I like Peter Parker having gadgets. I think, having different types of web shooters and stuff like that. I think that works really well. Um, but I don't know. It's just, it's sort of this combined with how he's treated in the Marvel cinematic universe movies combined with, uh, where Dan slot had him before, before like Dan slot knew when to let go, like to, when to, when to go back to, to Spider-Man's roots, I felt like, and, all other media mm-hmm. for Spider-Man is kind of delayed. So it's like when they come, when they bring something up, you know, five years from now, they'll do, they'll do a superior Spider-Man movie. And I'll be like, Oh, they <laughs> just did this in the comics. You know? <laughs> yeah. yeah I, well, I'm looking forward to into the Spider-Verse. That's like one of the movies I really want to see here soon. Yeah, it it looks it looks really good. I was I if I hadn't had to work this weekend, I could have seen it. Um I could have seen it on Saturday. Uh but alas, I had to work. Alas. Man, that would have been so great to be able to Oh, it was so good. And Venom, it seems like Venom had was like a very successful. Yes, yeah, uh, I need to watch that. 
I mean, it wasn't like, I felt like it wasn't like a life changing movie, but I guess a lot of people really liked it. So, uh, I think they actually did a halfway decent job marketing it mm-hmm. and getting people excited for it. And then they kind of ride the coattails of Marvel and their other success by kind of tying all that stuff together. So, eh, whatever, good for yeah, them. I'm kind of, I, I, I might, I might need to see it again. I, I kind of wonder how it holds up to multiple viewings. Just because the when I saw it, it was a very specific theater experience. Yeah. Because I was, you know, it was it was pre, it was the night before the movie, it was before the movie came out. It was like that that Wednesday night or whatever. It was the special showing, and the crowd was just very, very excited. Um, and uh, so there, there was probably some things about it that uh, that. I would have forgiven, but also like there were some times that the crowd got really excited about things. And I was like, uh, that wasn't a funny joke, <laughs> Yeah, well, but, yeah. but you know, it's, it's the crowd thing. And so sometimes I sort of turn myself, turn against the crowd, you know? So I, My. I just, I kind of, but, but then since then I feel like people whose tastes I trust, and, and who usually have tastes that line up with mine, um, they, uh, they, they all seem to have, have enjoyed it. So I think it's, I mean, I think it's, it, regardless of anything, it's, it's a fun, it's a fun, it's a fun, dumb superhero movie. Um, it's just, it's just that, uh, with it being Venom, like I, that kind of, I wish it was a little bit better, but also like, and also like, I wish Spider-Man was there. Well, you, you might get your wish here soon because I heard that um, Sony's taking him back after Far From Home. Oh yeah, yeah, they want him for himself for themselves. Well, we'll see. We'll see what happens. I mean, you know, he is getting you know he is getting killed. He was already killed off permanently in the Marvel universe. So yeah. Um, did you watch the Avengers trailer? Yes, I did. <gasps> Be still my heart. Did you like it? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think uh, I think it's very brave of them not to show any of the dead characters in the in the first trailer. Um, I would not be surprised if uh, I guess it's coming out like in April, so or, yeah, or end, of, end April, of April, end of April or March, I think or May, yeah, May May third, I think is the date. It's okay. Every comic book day movie. Um. So that's pretty soon. So maybe they won't, but uh, I would, I would be, I think that would be very gutsy of them not to show, not to reveal any of the, any of the characters that got dusted until then. Uh, But also, uh, and also like, I think it was very smart of them, even though this movie probably is going to be lots of exciting action and stuff it was very smart of them to make this first trailer more subdued. Yeah. Uh, because, because it's never going to be as big. You aren't going to, they aren't going to be able to make a trailer as big and exciting as that first Avengers infinity war trailer that just showed a gajillion fight scenes with every single Marvel character. Um, you're not going to be able to do that. So, 
sort of taking a step back. It's, you know, kind of like what they did with Iron Man three when it came out right after Avengers, like taking a step back and, and, you know, showing that people really are upset by all the people that disappeared and stuff. Uh, and, uh, and I mean, who knows, maybe, maybe they want this movie to be the last hurrah of the old, of the old, of the first generation of event of Avengers what it sounds like i think this is kind of shutting the book and from i think i read some tweet or something where they said this is like the last avengers movie there won't be or something like that so we'll see i uh, i don't think it'll be the last avengers movie but it might it might be there might be some shakeups in in who actually continues to be in the movies after this i know contracts and stuff this is a lot of people's last movies contract, but I don't think that means anything because, Oh no, that's when you got to think about it. So Captain Marvel would obviously be on the team and man and the wasp could definitely be team members. You probably have the Hulk for another couple movies if they wanted to, mm-hmm. um, you know, I mean, it'd be awesome if Thor, but you can actually just put him out the space if you don't want him in that round. Um, yeah, I mean, they definitely have enough people. Yeah, well, so as far as the Hulk, <laughs> the Hulk, uh, he is old. So, uh, uh, what's his what's his face? Uh, uh, Ruffalo. Ruff, Mark Ruffalo looked really old in this movie, in in uh, in Infinity War. So, I don't know. It would not surprise me if, if basically, like, I think Robert Downey Jr. is going to be playing Tony Stark. Until he's 90. You don't think uh, they're going to kill him off? No. No, I think he's going to... I think he is going to be playing that character forever. It would not... But it would not surprise me if he goes into more of a... Um, like a Nick Fury role or a... Old Bruce Wayne role from Batman Beyond or something. Like where he's... That'd be cool. Where he's not... He's not out there doing the fighting. Uh, and he... And they sort of let him... Because he he looked freaking old. I don't know. He's old. Like yeah, they're definitely all well. Um, yeah, <laughs> and, and I mean, I I I think uh, him, Robert Downey Jr. and Mark Ruffalo. Fortunately, their characters don't have to do fighting. Like they're oh they're yeah, stuck, the character all CGI. Yeah, it's all CGI, so they don't have to be in at the. They don't have to be able to run as fast as a car, like. Uh, like uh, uh, Chris Evans, um, so like I'm yeah. sure that even even if Chris, I don't know how old Chris Evans is, but even if he's not, even if he's not like super old, uh, just being in maintaining that physical, like incredible, you know, incredibly oh, yeah, that's perfect a, yeah, that's, physicality or whatever. Like that's it's, what your it's day job is, is. Yeah, the gym. Yeah, it's that's got to be that's got to be a real a real challenge a real tax on it and it's like you know, freaking. After you have so many millions and millions of dollars, like Who cares? yeah, and and you've done a thing like any of any of the these original Avengers like, they've they've left their mark. I mean, oh yeah, you're gonna go everywhere and everyone's gonna call you Captain America, not wherever else you were in, you, you know, like, like most, you, you know, people, if you're in a trilogy of movies, if you play, you know, 
Mark Hamill, until the new movies, Mark Hamill was Luke Skywalker because he was Luke Skywalker in three movies. Chris yeah. Evans has been in, in, in what, six, at least six movies. And I don't yeah. remember if he cameoed in anybody else's movie, but he's been in at least six, you know, played this character in at least six movies. You know, Robert Downey Jr. at this point has probably been in, you know, he's probably been in at least half of the Marvel Cinematic Universe movies, at least made appearances like, these guys are pretty iconic and it's a big, it's a big franchise. I think the bubble could burst any time, but, uh, but at the same time, eh, like, you know, if it, no matter what, it's a, it's a historic series of movies that hasn't been the kind of thing that hasn't been done in a while. Yeah. I mean, I don't think, future Marvel movies are going to get worse in CGI or effects. There's still plenty of stories to pull from. So just like you said, you know, they'll probably still have other Avenger movies and that's fine. I mean, that's one of the things too. I mean, the Avengers are known for switching teams up so much that. Yeah. So, uh, and, and they could also, the other thing is they could, they have a lot of room to dial back if, if some stuff, if they've, if they feel like they've oversaturated. You know, sort of like with Star Wars, Disney was like, oh, Solo wasn't the most successful movie of all time. Maybe we should not release two movies, two Star Wars movies in one year. You know, maybe hold back yeah. and, and just do one a year or one every other year or whatever. And that's still content, you know. So Marvel, you know, like what I think they should do with the Netflix shows now that most of the net now that it's pretty clear that the Netflix shows are going to be canceled. If they want to still do stuff with these characters, give us one show. Yeah, no, that would be nice. But it doesn't sound like they're going to even do anything else with them. Sounds like they're done, which is unfortunate. Because that's what I always thought, that they were just going to switch everything over to the Disney streaming service. I heard, I I don't know, I I heard at least when they canceled Daredevil that there was talk of them still using these characters in one of the random articles that I read. So That would be awesome. And even if they, and whether they do or not, it's, you know, that's the other, and I mean, they'll do something. Yeah. Daredevil is great, and obviously they're doing Scarlet Witch and Loki and, um, uh, who else? I think there's somebody else. Winter Soldier, and maybe it's Winter Soldier and, uh, Scarlet Witch in one, and Loki in the other. Uh huh. So, uh, so I did finish Daredevil. Um, and, uh, it's interesting. Uh, it was it was interesting. I had I went through some ups and downs with it. Uh, I think I did come out at the end of the day. I think it was I think it was a good season. Um, it had some had some really interesting stuff. Uh, but also, especially the first few episodes seemed like really over the top and silly. <laughs> like. I think if the show, because the show, because the problem is, the problem is that the show is, it takes itself very seriously. And, uh, when you, when you try to be serious and gritty and realistic and then try to use comic book logic 
for me, it doesn't always work. Like that's why that's why Iron Fist worked so well because it's really fantastic. A lot of you know mystical mumbo jumbo and stuff. Yeah. And so because I'm dealing with mystical mumbo jumbo, like I can forgive. I can actually forgive like characters doing things that are that are wonky and comic booky. But with Daredevil, like seeing Bullseye being able to hit like everything and. Well, no, I, unstoppable. I mean, Molly, Molly had the best criticism of Vincent D'Onofrio's Kingpin in the first episode. Uh, the guy, the, uh, the FBI agent, the main FBI agent guy, I forget his name, asks, ask Kingpin a question. Like they're in an interrogation and, and Kingpin said, it's a yes or no question. King, Kingpin says, have you ever truly loved someone? <laughs> That's a good See, impression. I, and when I was 11, I had it. You know, he goes into this long yeah. story and it's like, it was yes or no question. <laughs> and, and, and he just, he just, uh, I don't know. He's such a, and he's just not the kingpin. You know what I mean? Oh, see, I enjoyed his uh, performance. I, well, I mean, it's just one of those things where it's just like he just has so much influence, and there's just so much corruption. And um, I mean, I, I liked uh, Bullseye. I thought he was pretty sweet, and kind of how they developed him and his mental problems. But uh, I was hoping to see the red suit. Um, Maybe yeah. another cameo. Well, that was what that was what I said when they when when uh, Bullseye showed up in the Daredevil costume, and they were like, "It was Daredevil." I was like, "You know how you know that was that was not the real Daredevil? <laughs> he was wearing a Daredevil costume." Yeah. Jesus, um, come on. Let's see, just for a little bit. Which uh, or like I, a yellow one. I mean, I mean, yeah. Oh, that would have been gr- that would have been great. Yeah, that would be perfect. Like that would be like just to have them fight each other like that. It's like give us what what we want. I mean, I think, but I think at, le- at least he had the even though he ha- at least he had the uh, whatever Daredevil Year One outfit or whatever it was called, whatever the Mark Miller or Frank Miller story was that we yeah, that he had for the first cool. season. Like that, that looks pretty cool. It, it felt like he had a costume this season. Yeah. Um. Uh. The. But uh, but um. But yeah. No. I I liked it already. I liked. I did like Bullseye. I think. He was. He was really solid. Um. I thought Foggy and Karen Page were were pretty good. Although Karen Page, being a drug dealer in high school, is kind of a weird character thing for her. Uh, well, and that's why I see like well, because I know in the comics she is you know had heroin issues uh-huh. and some other stuff. I'm like, well, I guess that's their way of kind of giving her a drug problem. Well, she's one of the. She's not alive in the comics, right? She died back in the '80s and stayed dead, right? Yeah, as far as I know. Yeah, so I, yeah. So that's so. I mean, that's sort of. She's sort of a blank slate character. They could do whatever they wanted with her because, yeah. But but from what from what we had known of her, it was kind of a weird. It was kind of a yeah. weird thing. And definitely a tangent. One of those yeah weird, really weird kind of flashback stories. But obviously now we know why her father wants nothing to do with her. Yeah, yeah. 
I I will say I will say though I really really liked Foggy this season and his character has become more like my interpretation of Foggy Nelson, which is a guy in a suit with like a concerned face. Yeah. <laughs> um, like that was it was perfect. I just really wish he had a bow tie. Like give yeah, him a bow tie. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, but but he but he was like especially because in the first season of Daredevil. I felt like that was a character that they took a lot of liberties with and didn't really resemble what my take, what my take on, on uh, foggy is. Um, but, but by this, by this season, he's really, he really landed where he, uh, where he needed to be. Um, yeah, the whole story was good. And again, I kind of liked how they tied the corruption into his family and kind of putting him in that position. And it's just, that was obviously the the biggest villain was all the corruption and everything else going on. But uh, mm. um, yeah, I, well, I, it was I thought it was definitely a very solid season overall. It's just like it's just like man, the freaking the the way they handled the kingpin getting in the uh, freaking uh, penthouse, like. Yeah, there's definitely some stuff that were a little bit of stretches, it was, but, I mean, it's it a comic like, book. He, yeah, and well, he knows everybody. He obviously barbed his way there, so. Yeah, no, I I mean, they could have gotten it. I don't know. It was just, it was very, it was like, if there's these people that are watching the whole time, how is it that he didn't get caught? But I guess it's because most of them are on his payroll, but I I don't know. It just, it just was a little... Yeah, I know. One that's I'm interested to see how Punisher season two goes. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure that'll be canceled once that's finished. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, actually, you brought up Punisher. I feel like uh, lately there I've heard some talk about the Punisher as a character being more problematic with him being a you know, a guy that, a guy that just murders people and, uh, how that's not a good thing. (laughs) Um, but you know, I've always thought of the Punisher as like, he is not a hero. Like he is, I mean, he is, he is a, like you do, you have, he, he is a way that you can ask, you know, he's a foil for other, for, for, for actual hero, you know, he's an anti-hero character. Sometimes he does stuff that's the right thing. Sometimes he does stuff that's the wrong thing. A lot of times the people that he's, most of the time the people that he's murdering totally deserve it. Uh, but, like, the Punisher is is a is a way to say, okay, what it, it's a deconstruction of the superhero genre. It's like, what is the difference, you know, what is the difference between the Punisher and Daredevil? You know, what is the difference between the Punisher and Spider-Man? You know, Spider-Man in in the video game, you're fighting people on top of rooftops that are shooting at each other and, or shooting at you, and you do kick them off of rooftops. Yeah. Now, you shoot a web, but, uh, you know, <laughs> you're kicking them off of a 100-story rooftop. Still, like, uh, don't know if, you know, I'm sure they're fine, you know, <laughs> but, uh. Well, 
I actually read an article supporting the Punisher and calling it like a staple in the Marvel universe or almost as a needed kind of influence. And um, Well, they just kind of describe him as being like the personification of war. Um, mm-hmm. And they had a kind of a neat breakdown where I can't remember if it was Welcome Back Frank. I don't know if it's Garth Ennis or not, but it's Frank's going against Bullseye, speaking of him again. And Bullseye... Um, you know, said like I like whispered in his ear, like um, I know what you're going to tell your family, and I guess that kind of haunts him. And you know, and it's one of those things where I think it was left open and ended, but where he was thinking that um, that day when he brought his family to the park, Frank was going to tell him that he's actually leaving and going back to war. Mm. So they thought that was like only his true environment, and so with his family dying, it gave him a reason to go to war back in the United States or staying at home instead of saying going back to Vietnam. So that's where they kind of talk about that, where, you know, he doesn't want to be the family man. It's not a good fit for him. He, he needs to be out there, you know, taking it to the bad guy, whoever it is. Um, so, and it was actually a fairly interesting article and, and they had talked about now how, um, you know, he kind of was fooled by Hydra, and the this arc currently is him pretty much taking the war directly to Baron Zemo and the rest of the Hydra and all that sort of stuff. So, it's actually, I, if I can find it, I'll, I'll send it to you. But, yeah, uh, yeah, I mean, he, I think, so I, I think that there are, and, and I mean, like any character, uh, the Punisher has been interpreted by a lot of different people. Um. I am, I mean, I, I'm not a fan of like where he veers towards torture porn. And I do think that some people, I, I haven't, I haven't read all of the Garth Ennis stuff. I've read some of it a long time ago, but I have talked to a lot of people who are, who got very excited about how violent and gruesome the Garth Ennis Punisher run, you know, the Garth, Punisher Max, like, oh man, it was so great. He hung a guy upside down and chopped off all of his toes. And it's like, uh, so that's, I mean, that's kind of where, that's kind of where, uh, like to me, to me, the, you know, sometimes, sometimes it works. Sometimes people interpret things super wrong, you know, like, uh, yeah. You know, like Fight Club. Uh, yeah. People interpret Fight Club as as like those are aspirational characters, when it's yeah. really supposed to be about toxic masculinity, and maybe the interpretation of the movie even pushes it towards uh, towards that toxic masculinity, um, or or even like with the uh, Nazi cap stuff, like. Uh, any anybody who during that event, uh, you know, white supremacists took that as like Nazis are the good guys in Marvel comics now. Uh, definitely missed the point. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And I do I think have. I do think that I do think it's good to have. I do think stories about the Punisher. It's good when they. Um, like that, like that Vietnam series uh, that we that we read a, a few months back. Uh, yeah, it's it's good to establish that this guy wasn't totally perfect 
uh, you know, this guy wasn't this guy wasn't uh, Steve, Steve Rogers uh, b- going before you know before his family got killed. It's not like he it's not like he snapped in one day. Like he was yeah. he was a he he had a, he's always been like this. Yeah, he, he's been he's he's damaged. Well, that's something too where they said you know he's like he doesn't have any superpowers. All he does is have you know elite fighting training and sheer determination and will. Um, but he said he just he takes on everybody. Um, so it's like it's he's yeah just like you said kind of that interesting anti-hero, a good kind of counterpoint to you know other superheroes because everyone has that code of ethics that they will not kill and he just crosses that uh-huh so yeah fun stuff yeah i just i wanted to talk a little bit about that just because i feel like he's uh i don't know i and also you know what a lot of people who punisher is their favorite character are assholes i think we can oh yeah you know i i think that i think you can he's a character that's very easy to misinterpret but i think a lot of characters are like that so yeah all right, about time to wrap this up. Yeah, I think so. I think this was a solid episode. Um, yeah, uh, check out. Uh, go to KendallCast.ninja or K Hallman on Twitter, uh, and uh, use the Amazon links and stuff like that. Uh, yeah, do your Christmas shopping through his links. Yes, yes, do that, do that, and then you would be the first one. There you uh, go. <laughs> Uh, until next time, uh, keep reading those comics.